The Trumpet Daily Program begins right now. Today's world news, what it means, where it's taking us. I bring you the one and only possible message of world peace. This is a message of hope, tremendous hope. And he said unto me, you must prophesy again. The Trumpet Daily Program begins right now. In the midst of all of this activity around the Mideast, can you just give us a sense from the president's perspective, how is he balancing these two sort of immediate foreign policy objectives versus sort of his longer term foreign policy objectives? Well, he's balancing it well. He's doing it. I mean, uh, if you want to give him a you know report card, A plus. What I learned from that is to the Republicans in America, take back your party, the grand old party, a great party that made such a contribution to our country, with great leadership in so many ways. But not to have a cult, to really effectively a thug as the represent manifestation of the Republican Party now. The same day he's in court, his chief of staff asked for immunity, and they're following the lead of the person whom his chief of staff is asking for immunity to tell the truth about. When Nancy Pelosi tells you how much she loves the Republican Party free of Donald Trump, I mean, that really tells you everything that you need to know. Trump, in so many ways, is right over the target. They fear him on both sides of the aisle. You're listening to Stephen Fleury, and this is the Trumpet Daily. We appreciate you joining us on today's show. We're getting some much-needed rain in uh, central Oklahoma, or at least uh, it looks cloudy enough to bring more rain today to fill up our ponds here on campus. Uh, In any event... To get back, you didn't tune in for weather, so we'll move on. You can get to the live video stream of this show at trumpetdaily.com. You can also get to the live stream at our Rumble channel. Just go to rumble.com forward slash trumpetdaily. Every evening there's a replay on LFA TV. That too is at Rumble as well. So just to give you an idea of the the power, (laughs) the power that uh, Donald Trump still has Much was made of the fact that he couldn't quite get Jim Jordan across the line uh, last week or week before in the uh, the run for speaker. But then this rhino he's put forward the other day. Of course, it's by a secret ballot because they don't want they don't want the world. They don't want their constituents to know that they're rhinos, that they're voting against Donald Trump. Tom Emmer was his name or is his name. This was a a tweet from uh, Donald Trump yesterday. He says, I have many wonderful friends wanting to be Speaker of the House, and some are truly great uh, warriors. Rhino Tom Emmer, who I do not know well, is not one of them. (laughs) He's not one of them. Everything Trump says in here is exactly right. It says here, we never respected, he never respected the power of a Trump endorsement or the breadth and scope of MAGA. He fought me all the way and actually spent more time defending Ilhan Omar than he did me. He's totally out of touch with Republican voters. So Trump, Trump sends out this message yesterday and within hours, Emmer had withdrawn his name. He didn't have the votes 
to get across the finish line anyway. So now it's, uh, it's Mike Johnson. He's definitely more of a MAGA supporter. We'll see. It's gone on for three weeks. Uh, they haven't been spending money, as I've maintained, through this three-week period. This is actually a blessing in disguise. No more tens of billions going off to Ukraine or wherever. But they desperately want to get back in. They desperately want to get back to spending money. Sundance did a bit of gloating over at Conservative Treehouse. He said, yes, smiling is in order. You see, folks, even when the, professionally, when the professional Republicans do not want to admit it, uh, MAGA, we the people, now controls the Republican Party. Again, it does just demonstrate the power, the effectiveness that Donald Trump still has. And of course, when he comes back to power, Amos 7 suggests that he is going to have more power, more support. And uh, I think Sundance is right that the House is swinging over in the direction of MAGA. No McCarthy, no uh, Emmer, <laughs> Emmers, whatever his name is. It's got to be uh, a Trump Republican. He's transforming the Republican Party. And he's doing it from his home at Mar-a-Lago. <laughs> and he's doing it while there's all these crazy indictments. 91 counts. He's in and out of court. He was in court again yesterday. This is from uh, Politico. It says, just hours after Tom Emmer uh, from Minnesota won the Republican conference's nomination to be speaker on Tuesday, former President Donald Trump took to Truth Social to deride the congressman as totally out of touch with Republican voters. He then got on the phone with members to express his aversion for Emmer and his bid for speaker. And it says, by Tuesday afternoon, Trump called one person close to him with the message, he's done, it's over, I've killed him. <laughs> I've killed his chances. The power of Trump. This is uh, interesting from Newsweek. It says, Donald Trump... Uh, gaining ground in state no Republican has won in 40 years, says Trump has slowly gained ground in the blue state of New York, where the margin between the former president and Democrat Joe Biden has significantly shortened between 2020 and now. It goes on and says that Biden won the state by 21 points in 2020. Now the gap has closed to nine. This is New York, the blue state of New York. People know. You see, Kirby can, Kirby can come out and say that Biden's getting an A-plus for all of his policies. No problem with Biden. But the American people see. They see what's happening. They see what's happening. They see what's playing out on television screens. They believe their eyes. They know that it's not good. Much has been made of, you know, we played the clip yesterday, Jenna Ellis flipping. She collects over $200,000 from a GoFundMe page, indicating she's going to fight against this unjust attack. And instead, she comes out with a groveling apology, groveling before the judge and all of America. Mark Meadows, in a similar camp, used to be the chief of staff for for Donald Trump. This is uh, something that Trump said outside the courtroom uh, yesterday, clip seven. As I've spoken to Mark Meadows uh, many, many times over the years, and uh, he strongly believed the election was rigged. 
Now, of course, you know, deranged Jack Smith and the prosecutors, they go after somebody for years, and they say, look, here's the story, uh, we'll give you nothing, we'll erect a statue to you, or you're going to go to jail for 10 years for having done nothing wrong. Uh, so, you know, a lot of people have to make that decision. Some people would never make that decision, other people would. But uh, Mark Meadows always felt it was rigged, you know, the whole thing was rigged. It was rigged and it was stolen. And because it was rigged and stolen, our country's gone to hell. You take a look at the border, you take a look at Israel, that would have never happened. You take a look at Ukraine, that would have never happened. Our country's going to hell. You just look at energy, energy independent we were. And now we're not energy independent. We're not even close. We're buying energy from Venezuela and lots of other places. And we have more liquid gold under our feet. We're a crime-ridden nation. We're a nation in decline. All because of a rigged and stolen election. Root causes. Stolen elections have consequences, as Steve Bannon always says. But he keeps going back to it. I just gave a message last weekend on cause and effect. The devil, he would prefer we just blot out the cause. Don't talk about it. In fact, if you do, you might go to jail even. You can see why so many of them are flipping. They're, they're being destroyed. If, if they don't, they're destroyed by the process. And there you saw just one man, one individual. Not many helpers for him, as 2 Kings 14 says. But one man standing firm and continually continually coming back to the fact that it was rigged and stolen. And that's the reason for so many of the problems you see in America today. America under attack. If you haven't uh, gotten a copy of this hardcover version of the book, call and uh, request your free copy today, 1-866-930-3024. Speaking of attack, or coming under attack. This is from uh, Monica Crawley. She was on with Bannon earlier this week as well. Clip nine. The Democrats for a long time have been wedded to the Cloward and Piven philosophy. This is like straight up out of the textbook of Cloward and Piven, those two Columbia University radicals in the 1960s who created this theory that if you want to destroy the United States, you do it from within, and you do it by overwhelming all of her systems, economic, cultural, governmental, the border. You overwhelm all of her systems in order to implode those systems so you can build in a more collectivist, Marxist kind of model out of the ashes. So what is going on here is that is the bigger narrative. That's the bigger reason for why he's doing this. This is a deliberate destruction of the United States of America. Deliberate destruction from within. That's what this book here is all about. It's been in print in a smaller version. It's been in print since 2013. Ten years. Ten years we've been talking about this. Herbert Armstrong even before that. If you go back to uh, the chapter in this brochure, the communist infiltration of the United States, this is something Herbert Armstrong was talking about uh, 60, 70 years ago an attack from within, and they're, they've taken over the institutions. In the cases of the universities, they're brainwashing young people. Propaganda all around. Richard Palmer in his morning brief 
He says he's been reassured by several polls showing that the vast majority of Americans support Israel and oppose Hamas. But a new poll from Harvard gives a more detailed and, and much more worrying picture. Richard says it, it shows that 48, 48% of U.S. registered voters say they side more with Hamas than Israel. Nearly half were putting together an infographic that we can uh, produce in our next uh, Trumpet magazine. How do you explain this kind of support for Hamas? Hamas, of all things. More from this uh, Harvard study. 38% says Israel has uh, no right to defend itself. 51% says that Hamas's attack can be justified by the grievances of Palestinians. 64% say that Hamas that both Hamas and Israel have equally just causes. Yeah, there, there's a moral equivalence there. Where do they get this message? Well, it's what they're taught at Harvard. It's what they hear. It's what young people hear uh, from the regime media. 62% says Hamas's attacks were uh, genocidal, as only 52% support Israel. Well, and on and on it goes. No wonder, no wonder the IDF is inviting, you know, international journalists in to actually view the Hamas attack in all of its gruesome and gory detail. Stomach churning. They have to look at, look at what they're going up against. I mean, it was just announced before we came to air that Israel's going to delay its ground invasion for another week. It's already been over two weeks. But they're coming under heavy pressure from Joe Biden. Biden is buying time for Hamas. Actually, we should say Obama. Obama is buying time for Hamas. For the mullahs. As I say, the IDF is doing everything it can to, to just expose these butchers these demon-possessed madmen that went on the killing spree, the murderous rampage across southern Israel. Fox News says here, Turkish President uh, Erdogan referred to Hamas terrorists as a liberation group trying to protect the Palestinian people. They're just liberating the people of, of Gaza, don't you know? Yeah, this is... a. Uh, a NATO member. I believe the United States still has some nuclear weapons on Turkish soil. And this is Turkey's leader today saying that, yeah, Hamas, that's a liberation group. What they did on October 7 was that they liberated their people. It says here in an address to his ruling party's legislators on Wednesday, Erdogan also said he has canceled plans to visit Israel as part of the country's policy of normalizing its relations with the Jewish state, adding that Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu had misused our goodwill. So Bibi's the problem. He's can't, this guy here, he's canceling his trip to Israel. He says that Hamas, they're liberators. And the world barely bats an eye that a NATO member would say something such as this. What a movement that little Israel is up against. How do you explain this irrational hatred for just Jews 
Jewish people. We've seen it before, haven't we? It's, it's, it's there historically. And the Bible gives you, the Bible gives you a reason why it's intensifying and, and where it's leading. I'll come to that in a second. Listen to the queen of Jordan go on and on about the poor Palestinian people. Not, not about the Jews. No, no. She's over in Jordan. Jordan, of course, and Egypt are offering nothing in the way of assistance to the Palestinian people. But they get on their high horse and they, like Erdogan, like so many others, they preach. They preach. And the message, it seems to always be the same, doesn't it? This is clip one. I just want to remind the world that Palestinian mothers love their children just as much as any other mother in the world. The silence is deafening, and to many in our region, it makes the Western world complicit, you know, um, through their support and through the cover that they give Israel, that it is just, uh, it's right to defend itself. Many in the Arab world are looking at the Western world as not just tolerating this, but as aiding and abetting it. Right, we're complicit because uh, we're covering for Israel. This woman's covering for Hamas. And and as I say, what what has Jordan or Egypt or Saudi Arabia, what have they done to actually help the cause of the Palestinian people? They know. They know why Gaza exists. Gaza is is there. That's what Iran wants. Because they want it to destroy Israel. It's like a an oversized aircraft carrier for the mullahs, right next door, right adjacent, right adjacent to Israel. And the goal is to blot out Israel, to blot out even the name. As I say, you can, you can see why. You can see why Israel is saying, listen, we'd like to invite the international media in to actually see the atrocities. It really is. It really is disgusting, disgusting animal-like behavior. This is from the Federalist. Speaking of the Vatican, the Pope, the day after Hamas's onslaught against Israel, Pope Francis intoned, every war is a defeat, a preemptive protest against retaliation. It contradicted centuries of the Catholic Church's understanding of a just response to aggression. The ancient uh, command... To will good to all men does not not mean leaving some of them loose to do evil to others. Careful not to name Hamas, Francis begged that the armed attacks stop. His use of the plural attacks placed terrorists and Israelis on the same moral plane. So here it is. I mean, pressure coming from Joe Bama, coming from the Vatican coming from the Queen of Jordan, coming from a NATO member in Turkey. Lee Smith tweeted this out following the the Wall Street Journal breaking news from this morning that the ground invasion is delayed for another week. It says Biden is deterring Israel. Point of basing U.S. troops in region is to deter adversaries. If they need more protection, initial deployment was reckless. Biden is simply buying time for Hamas to dig in and for opinion to harden against Israel. Hamas, you see, they've been digging in for, what, 18, 19 days now? And then you see the tide of public opinion 
uh, any other nation, just think of it, any other nation invaded, 1,400 of their citizens slaughtered, 200 kidnapped, and they're just supposed to, I guess, sit back and let it happen, the Israelis. That's, I guess, what you're led to believe if you listen to the Pope, if you listen to some of these prominent world leaders, if you listen to the protesters coming out of the universities of today, listen, listen to CNN uh, reporting about just how wonderful it is to be kidnapped by Hamas. This is clip six. You're talking about tunnels. We know these tunnels have ventilation. We know that they've been known to have air conditioning. They've got, this has all been reporting that we've heard from the Israelis over the years. But the fact that she's saying she was held underground for more than two weeks, um, that there was shampoo, there was antibiotics, there was a guard per hostage in the experience she had, uh, that there were medics and paramedics, and obviously she is elderly, the other woman who was released also elderly and had medical needs, and that they had the medicine needed, and if not, something uh, similar to replace it. Um, It is pretty stunning. Yeah, I guess, I mean, they've got shampoo and antibiotics, these uh, hostages. So, you know, really, it's not so bad, I guess. (laughs) You could be sure that Hamas is loving this bit of propaganda as the Western media take it and they run with it. As I say, no wonder, no wonder Israel is trying to get the message out. Even the video showing the attack. This this next clip here, this is, uh, it's like a minute a minute-long conversation from one of the demon-possessed killers, murderers. He, he picks up the phone, an Israeli phone from one of his victims, and he calls his parents in Gaza, and he brags about murdering Jews. And the parents are congratulating him, practically, saying God is great. That's right, God is great. Listen to this exchange. Hello. Look how many I've killed. Get on WhatsApp. Get on my WhatsApp and look at these Jews I'm killing with my own hands. God is great, say the parents. Let's celebrate. These madmen going into southern Israel on a suicide mission too. Just so they can kill some Jews. They're taught to believe that their reward will be in heaven. Yeah, you can marry dozens and dozens of virgins, I guess. What a world. As I say, Israel has no choice. Yeah, come on in. Look at, look at what we found once we went through the south of our nation and saw 
the murder, saw the rivers of blood at this, uh, this overnight music festival. The Atlantic has a piece about those journalists that were invited in by the IDF to actually view 43 minutes of raw footage, a record of pure predatory sadism, says the Atlantic. Members of the press were invited, but cameras were not allowed. Hamas uh, had the opposite policy on cameras during the attack, which it documented gleefully with its fighters' body cams and mobile phones. Some of the clips had been circulating already on social media in truncated or expurgated form, with the footage dangerous or de decorously stopped just before beheadings and moments of death. After having seen them both in raw and trimmed forms, I can endorse the decision to trim those clips. I certainly hope I never see any of the extra footage again. One IDF spokesperson told the press afterward a very sad movie. Men, women, and children are shot, blown up, hunted, tortured, burned, and generally murdered in any horrible manner you could predict, and some that you might not. The terrorists surround a Thai man. They have shot in the gut and then bicker about what to do next. It says about 30,000 Thais live in Israel, many of them farm workers. Give me, a, give me a knife, one Hamas terrorist shouts. Instead, he finds a garden hoe and he swings at the man's throat, taking thwack after thwack. He de decapitates the victim with a garden hoe after shooting him in the belly. It's all there on TV. It's all there. They filmed it. They filmed it. They were gleefully going about the rampage, calling their parents even. I killed them with my, I've killed at least 10 with my own hands. The audience gasped. I heard someone heave a little at another scene, this one showing a father and his young sons, surprised in their pajamas. A terrorist throws a grenade into their hiding place, and the father is killed. The boys are covered in blood, and one appears to have lost an eye. They go to the, their kitchen and cry for their mother. One of the boys howls, why am I alive, and daddy, daddy. One says, I think we're going to die. The terrorist who killed their father comes in, and while they weep, he raids their fridge. Water, water, he says. The spokesman was unable to say whether the children survived. And on and on it goes. He talks about the phone call. Daddy, daddy, get mom on the phone. You, you both need to know I've killed 10 Jews. Killed them with my own hands. His parents, I noticed, are not nearly as enthusiastic as he is. Well, I think that's debatable. You just heard the exchange. The parents, uh, they certainly don't seem disgusted by what their son just did. They're talking about how God is great. How do you explain this kind of irrational hatred for Jews and and the growing support 
for this kind of thing. In the Key of David vision, my father, he wrote this back in 1997 initially. It says here, Satan hates the Jews. When we consider the hatred for the Jews in the Middle East, we must understand who is behind it all. Surely we can see the religious overtones to the Middle East crisis. Radical Islam represents the extreme of radical religion. Satan can use such a religion to stir up great hate. Satan loves to use out-of-control emotions. Radical Islam gives him a great field to work in. And then my father says, Nazi Germany exhibited great hatred for the Jews. The Nazis also used emotion to stir up great hate. It says the coming beast power will exhibit the same hatred for the Jews as well. I mean, you're seeing it already on display. It's just a, a little preview of what's coming to this earth. Great tribulation. In this book, America Under Attack, my father talks about, again, this spiritual dimension behind the hate, the murder. It says, Satan hates everything God is about uh, and wants to destroy all he does. Throughout history, Satan has continually tried to blot out the name of Israel, that of God's chosen nation. He's trying to blot it out. It goes on a little bit later. Mr. Obama's support for the Iranian regime cannot be explained logically. Such a catastrophic policy can only be understood in the context of the satanic deception that blankets this entire world. He cites Revelation 12 and verse 9. How do you explain it? How do you explain this madness? It says, nothing could please, nothing could please the devil more. That old serpent called the devil and Satan. Again, paraphrasing Revelation 12. One uh, final quote here. The Obama administration demonstrated in many ways that it dislikes the Jews. Israeli leaders recognize this. Hopefully they recognize it today. Their hands are being tied behind their backs. They're being held hostage. Biden is applying pressure. Another week of delay. Let's put it off. The longer it goes, the more this avalanche of anti-Israel opinion will just sweep across the globe. The more Hamas digs in its heels and prepares for the ground invasion, which is surely to be brutal and bloody. It says here, Antiochus' hatred was above and beyond anything normal. Antiochus was a tool in Satan's hands, just as the modern Antiochus is in this end time. The devil hates Jews. God made them his scepter people. Satan hates Israel and God's plan. Antiochus hated the Jews because Satan was so close to him and he to Satan. That's where this hatred, this irrational hatred for the Jews, that's, that's the root cause. These, these are the root causes. You can, uh, again, delve into that study. Much more if you request a free copy of America Under Attack. Call our operators today and order your free copy. There's no cost, no obligation. The 800 number is one 930 You are listening to Stephen Flurry, and this is the Trumpet Daily. We'll be right back. 
Freedom is one of the most sought-after ideals in human history. Man's search for freedom has taken him into the fiercest of protests, struggles, revolutions, civil wars, and even world wars. Today, in the midst of free societies, many continue to fight for what they perceive as ever greater freedoms. And yet, many of these same people are actively fighting against law. Few people understand that this war against law actually undermines true freedom. To learn more, request Gerald Flurry's booklet, No Freedom Without Law. In this free booklet, you will see what the Bible says about the latter-day spirit of rebellion and lawlessness that is now so common in our nations today. Also request America Under Attack. In this booklet, you will learn more about the spirit behind this attack on law. You'll see where this is leading. Both booklets are offered freely at no cost or obligation to you. Request No Freedom Without Law and America Under Attack. Email your request to td at kpcg.fm or visit thetrumpet.com. After a Chinese company helped Nepal build a new airport in Pokhara, the New York Times reported on October 16th that the project will burden the nation with crushing debt to Chinese creditors for years to come. When the airport opened on January 1st, the Chinese embassy declared that it is the flagship project of China and Nepal's Belt and Road Initiative cooperation. However, Nepal is now struggling to generate enough income to pay off its loans from China. Beijing has used the Belt and Road Initiative before to ensnare Asian countries in debt traps and make them economically dependent on China. Bible prophecy indicates that China will be one of the strongest Asian powers in the end time, second only to Russia. China will likely continue using the Belt and Road Initiative and other economic projects to expand its power in Asia and beyond. To learn more about China's economic power-grabbing strategies, read Brave New World, Made in China. A self-proclaimed member of the Islamic State shot and killed two Swedish soccer fans in Brussels on Monday night, severely injuring a third. The Tunisian gunman claimed the attack was to avenge the murder of a six-year-old Palestinian boy in the United States. After the attack, the gunman proudly announced the killings on Facebook before he was killed by Belgian police. Belgian officials had been informed by a government authority that the man intended to travel abroad to fight in a holy war, according to the Associated Press. The gunman had also shared social media messages in support of the Palestinians in the Israel-Hamas war. The Brussels attack came just days after a teacher was stabbed to death in northern France, which President Emmanuel Macron condemned as barbaric Islamic terrorism. Speaking of the two incidents, Macron said all of Europe is vulnerable to the resurgence of Islamist terrorism. Daniel 11 verse 40 indicates that Iran, the king of the south, will push against Europe. Islam-inspired terrorism led by Iran is part of this push. To learn more about this subject, read our Trends article, Why the Trumpet Watches Iran and Europe Heading for a Clash of Civilizations. North Korea is actively arming Russia for its war against Ukraine. 
Satellite imagery from October 5th shows approximately 73 rail cars in North Korea's Tumangang Rail Facility preparing to enter Russia. Over the past five years, 20 rail cars at most have been pictured at any given time. This surge in rail traffic lends evidence to a suspected arms deal between the two countries. The shipments are well covered by tarps, so it is impossible to confirm if they contain weapons. But the dramatic increase in shipments, in addition to their extensive concealment, indicates contraband. Analysts believe Russia will receive artillery shells and anti-tank missiles from North Korea in exchange for food aid and more advanced technology for satellites and nuclear-powered submarines. The trumpet has predicted this strengthening relationship for decades because of Bible prophecy, which indicates that Russia will lead a strong cadre of Asian nations, including China and North Korea. To learn more about this important prophecy, read The Prophesied Prince of Russia. To learn more about current world news and how it relates to Bible prophecy, please visit thetrumpet.com. There you have it, our uh, World Watch segment from, uh, actually from Friday. We, uh, we uh, had a few, few more edits we wanted to make to that uh, production. It, it's a little bit dated, but uh, we didn't get to play it last week, so, so there you are. Hopefully we were all out of pocket with our travels for the fall festivals, uh, but hopefully we can get back into a groove in producing those segments and also uh, the uh, ever-popular Behind the Work segments as well or news of the work i forget what we uh, what we call all of them but uh, you know you know the videos we've played them so many times uh, last week i talked to the students about just the importance of diligence whether it's you know our studies or our prayer life or the work that we put in on the job the preparation that goes into you know anything that god's work produces there's diligent effort uh, behind it all, always. Psalm 119 in verse 1, it says here, Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the eternal. Blessed are they who walk in the ways of God. When you come into the church of God, I mean, you are, you are making an about face. You have put away the world and its ways and are enthusiastically, diligently following in the steps of Jesus Christ. This is from our, our correspondence lesson. It says, A real Christian will no longer be able to conscientiously follow all the customs and practices of the society around him, where he formerly went along with the crowd, thoughtlessly participating in various social activities and business practices. He will now begin to question his lifestyle, he will begin asking, what is God's will? How does God say I should live? He will begin saying that, he will begin saying with Christ, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And it says here finally, and he will begin to diligently search the word of God to learn the will of God and to follow it. So there's a diligent effort that you bring into the study of God's Word. Paul said to Timothy, you know, be a good workman when it comes to your Bible study. Ephesians 5.17 says that we can understand what the will of the eternal is. We can understand it. God will make it known to us. If we've made that about face, if we've put away the ways of this world, if we're diligently going after the way of God, 
the more excellent way, as Paul said in uh, 1 Corinthians 12. Notice here in uh, Psalm 119, just continuing on, it says in verse 2, Blessed are they that keep his testimonies and that seek him with their whole heart. Verse 3, they also do no iniquity. They walk in his ways. Verse 4 says, you have commanded us to keep your precepts diligently. Verse 2 emphasizes being wholehearted. And then verse 4, it says, we've kept God's precepts with diligence. We've chosen this way of life. Moses said to the Israelites of old, I've set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life. Choose it. Go after it. Seek it. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, Jesus said in Matthew 6. And then God will add all of these other things to you and to your life. Notice Zechariah 6. This is verses uh, 13 and 15. Here again, God emphasizes the importance of diligence when it comes to our worship of God. Verse 13 says, And even, even he shall build the temple of the eternal, and he shall bear the glory, and shall sit and rule upon his throne, and he shall be a priest upon his throne, and the council of peace shall be between them both. It says in verse 15, And they that are afar off, shall come and build in the temple of the eternal and you shall know that the eternal of hosts has sent me to you and this shall come to pass it says if if you will diligently obey the voice of the eternal your god if that's a, a big little qualifier my father writes in the new throne of david we have to make sure we remove that if god wants to know that you love his truth and love his throne and the stone and, and crown, once he knows that, then he's going to be well pleased with that. And he will give us entrance into his family. Diligence, those who diligently obey, that word obey can also mean to give undivided attention. Obedience or listening, it means to understand what one has heard. This is all taken from the New Throne of David book. It says the main idea of the Hebrew word shama is perceiving a message, understanding it. Moffat says if you listen carefully to the voice of the eternal your God, listen carefully and hear God's message, you can know and prove it is God's message. That's what God wants. He goes on and talks about how that God's giving us a clear plan of action here, an action, an action plan. Put forth the, the diligence. Just a few more verses, this time over in Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy 4 and verse 9. If, as I was telling the students last week, I mean, the reason why it's so important for them and their training is, is because the most valuable resource that we have here in God's church, the most valuable resource we have in God's work, it's people. It's people who have their whole hearts in the work. And, and Herbert Armstrong used to say, if your heart is really in the work, then you yourself are going to be growing individually as well. The key is just being wholehearted in support of God's purpose. And so we need all of our young people as they come through this training, this program, whether it's at the college level or the academy, 
we need them to really pour their hearts into this effort. They come in and right away they start working part-time. In addition to their studies, they start working part-time in various departments here on campus. They learn with hands-on experience. They learn how to put their heart into the work of God. Deuteronomy 4 and verse 9, it says, Only take heed to yourself and keep your soul diligently, lest you forget the things which your eyes have seen, and lest they depart from your heart all the days of your life, but teach them to your sons and to your sons' sons. Take heed to yourself, Moses said, and keep your soul diligently. All through the Bible, Ecclesiastes you know, 9 and verse 10, Colossians 3.23, those come to mind. Just about putting, you know, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with might. <laughs> do it with some energy. Deuteronomy 5, verse 29, it says, Oh, that there was such an heart in them that they would fear me and keep all my commandments. Here's God pointing out the fact that ancient Israel, they didn't have a heart like his. They didn't have the Spirit of God dwelling in their hearts. Not like we do in the church today, but even then, look at how many of God's own people in these last days have just drifted far away from God. They stopped putting their heart into the work, and tragedy struck. Verse 32, it says, You shall observe to do, therefore, as the Eternal your God has commanded you, that you, turn, that you not turn aside to the right hand or to the left. Verse 33, You shall walk in all the ways which the Eternal your God has commanded you, that you may live, and that it may be well with you, and that you may prolong your days in the land which you shall possess. You'll be blessed for this kind of diligent obedience. Notice chapter 6, Deuteronomy 6, verse 17. It says, You shall diligently keep the commandments of the Eternal your God and His testimonies and His statutes, which He has commanded you. Diligently keep these laws. Put them into practice. This is from an article uh, written back in 2015. It was at the Trumpet. If you don't have a subscription to this magazine, it's, very, it's not just all about Bible prophecy, current events, world news. There's uh, always some good Christian living pieces in uh, the Trumpet magazine as well. Call our 800 number and request a free one-year subscription to the Trumpet. We wrote back in 2015, Good workers are self-starters. They produce a good day's labor for their wages and require little supervision to do a good thorough job. They are generally the ones who receive the raises and promotions and are given praise by the owners and upper management. Those who do not have, have a proper uh, godly work ethic and are lazy, slow, slothful workers are passed over for raises and promotions and end up jealous of their new bosses, the diligent workers who were promoted over them. It goes on and points out how that Herbert Armstrong, for so many years, taught us about the two ways of life, the way of get versus the way of give. And to give is to live God's way. God wants to give us everything that He has. He loves the world so much that He gave His only begotten Son. That's in John 3 and verse 16. Look at what God has given in order to open up his kingdom, 
and all of eternity to us, mere mortal men. God's looking for some fervency, some zeal, some burning zeal. This is actually from the uh, opening pages of the Biblical Manhood book. That's another wonderful uh, book filled with so much admonition for men and leaders in particular. But it says in there that God needs men who are burning with zeal. You see this plan and purpose as it plays out here below Isaiah 9 verses 6 and 7. It says that the zeal of God will perform this. God's carrying out this plan with burning zeal. And he just wants to see how intense our zeal is for his work. My father makes a point and prophesy again that God's evaluating our level of interest. I mean, the angels are peering into this plan of God as it unfolds right before them. They are excited. The righteous angels, I mean. They're excited to see how this, this unfolds. And yet God, he struggles just to get Christians, Christians that have had their minds open to the truth. He, he struggles to get them burning with zeal, excited about their calling. That excitement, that zeal, that red-hot zeal for God's way of life, it starts, of course, in your prayer closet. It starts on your knees, First, uh, First Peter 4 and verse 1. It says, For as much then as Christ has suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind, for he that has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. We've got to arm ourselves with the same godly mindset. Down in verse 7 it says, But the end of all things is at hand. Be you therefore sober and watch unto prayer. You get the trumpet magazine. You're able to watch world events. And God says, now make sure you bring prayer into it. Bring prayer into the mix. Make prayer a steady part of your spiritual diet. In the Epistles of Peter booklet, it says here, the fact that Christ's return is so near should change our behavior. The knowledge of Christ's imminent return should make us urgent spiritually. I mean, we're coming into terrifying times. Look at what happened in southern Israel just two and a half weeks ago. And people already, nations even, world leaders, they're just wanting to move on from it, pretend that it really didn't happen. If there's a victim here, it's, it's surely Hamas. <laughs> here a NATO member, he won't even go see Benjamin Netanyahu. Because his hatred for Jews is so intense. Terrifying times indeed. It says in the Peter booklet, Peter admonishes us to examine our lives to see where we can do more. The knowledge of Christ's imminent return should make us urgent spiritually. It says, look at the time frame. Have a sense of crisis and a sense of hope. It says we need to watch world news and our prayer life and be urgent about it. There's so many examples in uh, Herbert Armstrong's autobiography. I'll just leave it to you to study that, uh, that book. Easier said than done. It's a thousand pages. But uh, there are examples in there where Mr. Armstrong was working alongside uh, a Laodicean, or I guess to be precise, a Sardis minister, Someone that really didn't have that red-hot zeal, that burning zeal to serve God. And it was sort of a mixed bag. 
the kinds of results or fruits that would come as a result of some of those early Bible campaigns. But he learned early on that once he went out on his own and challenged and challenged some of the brethren in, in the, the fledgling true church of God to get on their knees and to pray for the success of those Bible campaigns, that would make all the difference. He learned that lesson early in his ministry, that once he cut ties with these lukewarm individuals whose hearts really weren't in it, then God started to really bless the efforts. Then there were a lot of fruits that started to come as a result of those campaigns. It tells you something about what God values, even with the example of Gideon in Judges 6 and 7. I mean, God wanted, he didn't want 30,000 men in the army so that they could go off and take care of business for God. He just wanted, as it turns out, 300 whose hearts were in it, who really wanted to fight for God. That level of enthusiasm, that level of zeal, it matters to God. God wants us to be burning, to be burning with zeal, just like the, uh, the biblical manhood book says. James 5 and verse 16 says the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. My father in the booklet says, do you realize that the right kind of prayer energizes you? If you're out of energy, ask God for it and he will energize you. That's uh, taken from the epistles of James book. Lots of literature that we've plugged on today's show. Everything that we offer on this program is offered without cost or obligation. You can get to all the literature at our website as well, thetrumpet.com. You're listening to Stephen Flurry, and this is The Trumpet Daily. We thank you for joining us on today's show, and we'll see you tomorrow.